Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Nathan Perez. He is the he is an executive career and job search coach at Career Innovation and the co-author of the multi-award-winning book, The 20-Minute Networking Meeting, Learn to Network, Get a Job. Coming from an unusually unique and diverse professional background, Nathan brings his clients a rare viewpoint on networking, job search, and career development. A formerly trained actor with a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Theater, his 20-year career in the arts was supported by simultaneously developing a business career, which involved an excessive amount of resumes, networking meetings, and interviews in multiple businesses and industry. The Huffington Post cited him as one of the most connected people on LinkedIn worldwide. Nathan and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, and how you can use five easy steps to leverage your networking skills and present your best self in any settings from his multi-award-winning book, The 20-Minute Networking Meeting. Good morning, Nathan. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning, Johnny. I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing this morning? Doing wonderful, fighting allergies, but I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. The 20-minute networking meeting is an excellent read. It is extremely thorough. Congratulations to you you. and Dr. Marsha Ballinger. Thank you very much. It's greatly appreciated. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your childhood life to how you ended up being a retained executive search firm professional. Sure. Okay. All right. So, childhood. And we have the whole hour, by the way. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we got the whole hour. Uh, yeah. Good. All right. I'll try. I'll make. I'll try and make it brief. That's uh, that's quite a many years. Um, <laughs> so uh, I grew up in a in a blue collar family uh, in, in Colorado, and um, at the time, you know, growing up, through my entire youth, I was actually an athlete. Uh, I played all sports, but in particular swimming. I, I swam year round. Uh, for from age nine, probably all the way up to 18. Uh, and the idea was that uh, I would go to college on, on a swimming scholarship. And it was, my, it was my junior year that I actually discovered theater arts in, in high school. I had done a speech with, um, in, in my speech class, and, and uh, the instructor at the time said, hey, Nathan, uh, you need to go and audition for the play. Peggy needs, she needs boys for the, for the school musical. And... Uh, <laughs> And at the time, you know, I was an athlete, and I thought, I don't know, but it seemed pretty fun, and I did it, and it completely changed uh, the rest of my future. I I did it and realized Mm -hmm. this is really what I want to do for a living. And um, wouldn't you know, you can actually audition uh, for scholarships for college, which is exactly what I did. So I went (laughs) to college. uh, I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts, and Mm -hmm. from there I had to go into one of, you know, two or three markets. Usually for an actor, it's New York, L.A., maybe Chicago. One or mm-hmm. two other places, and I chose New York because it was going to be staged for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've mm-hmm. ever heard that, uh, you know, actors and artists of all different kind also have to have a, a second job, like a day job, in order to support yes. themselves yes. along the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that was me too. And, um, <laughs> but the thing is, is I wasn't really good at food service. I, I, I wasn't good as, <laughs> as a wait staff person uh, or yeah. even as a bartender, but I still really liked people. And um, through networking, which actually happened to be my, um, my roommate at the time, I ended up in a temp agency. And my mm-hmm. very first job happened to be at Goldman Sachs, the, the big financial bank in, mm-hmm. in New York mm-hmm. City. Um, and it happened to be in the general counsel's office. That eventually got moved into the, the office of the chairman, which is the CEO. So I became the executive assistant to not only general counsel, but uh, the CFO and the CEO. Uh, at Goldman. And as I continued to do that, I realized I was learning all kinds of amazing business skill sets. Um, mm-hmm. So I was in New York for about 10 years. I eventually decided I was working with an agency uh, in, in the actor world. And um, everyone thought it'd be a really good idea for me to start to head out to Hollywood. And 
started mm-hmm. doing more film and television that had started to take off for me. And it was there that I was connected to yet a different agency, um, which placed me into the executive search firm world. Uh, mm-hmm. And executive search, if, if folks aren't familiar with that, it's these kinds of firms that are retained by other companies to find new executive leadership for their own organization, right? So when a company needs a new VP of HR or an SVP of marketing, even a CEO, mm-hmm. well, typically those are filled only one of two ways because you don't really, you know, find them posted online. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of those ways is uh, networking and the other is just these, these kinds of firms. And at the time, I had never heard of the industry, um, but they kind of explained it to me, and it, and it sounded like and turned out to be an amazing professional and, and like, personality fit for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I ended up doing was um, I wasn't a recruiter. Sometimes it's known as a headhunter. I was the guy who did the research. So I was the person who went and found the candidates for the mm-hmm. recruiters to go and recruit. So I kind of got dumped into it sideways, but it was the perfect fit for me. Um, again, in terms of my personality and the professional skills that I had, in this case, it would be research. Um, I eventually worked for that firm and then uh, two more. The last firm, which was um, uh, the last firm, which was in Minnesota, introduced mm-hmm. me to who is my co-author, Dr. Marsha Ballinger, and um, the rest is history. That's that's where we wrote the first book, and then I wrote the three more after that. Fantastic. That sounds really good. I've always had the concept of you hire blue chip, but you recruit talent. And so uh, yeah. I could totally understand the what you guys are doing and so forth. So it's completely uh, you know, perfect from that scenario. Who were the major influences when you were seeking employment? That is a really good question. Um, I would have to say that it, it was all of my artist friends. It wasn't just my actor friends, everybody mm-hmm. who was in the arts, and, and probably also my, my dad and my mom, uh, and, mm-hmm. and for the same reason. And, and to be honest with you, it was, you know, uh, kind of survival. I grew up in a lower middle class family, and uh, my parents worked very, very hard. And, and at the time, the way that they worked and, and sort of their approach and philosophy was still about family. So it was working through the day, but it was all meant to serve the family and, and be home in the evenings. And um, when I had, it happens that I had over almost around 30 jobs, day jobs overall, over the 20 years I was in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry, you know, to support myself. And um, through each one of those experiences, I, I learned through my friends and through my mom and my dad um, where I should be going, what I should be doing, really listening to, you know, as I'm going and building my life as an artist to pay attention to the business world to see if there was something that I liked there that if I needed to transition. It was never mm-hmm. really um, filled in me that you have to have one job and do it forever. You know, it's great to have mm-hmm. one thing and you, and you grow in that one direction forever. But in this case, it was more about experiencing you know, having the different experiences and being hands-on to understand what it was, what's really out there in the world. So it was my, it was my artist friends and it was my dad, and my mom. Very, very interesting. That's wonderful. Well, life is a buffet line. So apparently you took the opportunity and chance to uh, flavor whatever is out there. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> wonderful. What fascinates you about networking? Because I understand that you are actually an introvert. So that's very, very interesting. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll come back to the introvert thing um, in a moment. Um, so the there's so there there's so many different things about networking that 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 fascinate me. Um, but selfishly, what I'll say is that it's it's simply the hundreds of people that I get to meet and mm-hmm. and, and get to help. And, and I've had the opportunity to uh, work with and coach uh, senior executives to government leaders to uh, celebrities. But I think the most fascinating people to be able to meet with are just everyday normal people. The stories that we all have um, are endless and they, and there's so many different happenings and experiences that people have that um, I fall into it. So if you're, for instance, if you're a book reader, like if you like movies, that's one thing you can sit and be entertained. If you're a book reader and you like to get into the details and understand the paths of people's lives from the front cover to the back cover, meeting actual real people is that mm-hmm. much more fascinating. Uh, everybody is a walking book, an anthology of, mm-hmm. of books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a person who really likes people, um, 
that's what it is. It, it's, it, it's just meeting people and learning about them and, and their journey. Very, very interesting. Now, obviously, you are still young, and in the sense that, technically speaking, the knowledge that you've garnered, you know, regardless whether you're working for uh, you know, financial company and so forth, as you go to all these meetings, I'm sure, and I remember myself going to various networking meetings, you know, we are initially in that sort of a, a, as a we behave as a reactive participant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so in yes, your case, right. can you tell us about the pivotal moment when you shifted from being a reactive participant to a creative commanding participants in your networking journey? Yeah, that is another really great question. To be honest with you, I think it was when uh, I began to write the first book with my co-author. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, of course, the book is about networking. And mm-hmm. what I had realized is that as we were constructing the book and the lessons and things that, that, that I was applying was coming from my personal professional life in the arts, um, mm-hmm. except that at the time I had realized it, I hadn't realized back then that I was actually doing the things that I was writing about now. And as mm-hmm. I was writing about them um, in this job search and career development context with my co-author who was using networking in her own world in the retained executive search world, I think I just began to realize I know what I'm talking about because I've been doing <laughs> it for 20 years. It's just that mm-hmm. now I'm putting it into words. And then, you know, during that time, as I was kind of testing out the material with people who was, I was asking to read it, uh, did I begin to realize that it had a real big impact on people who did not come from the arts and who are from all different kinds of backgrounds. And I thought, this is, I do, this is it. I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This is going to be helpful mm-hmm. and useful to other people. So it was probably when I was writing the book, the very, the very first one. No, very interesting. Yeah. So now you're going in there with a commanding attitude. In other words, you were able to orchestrate the conversations and the first handshake and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I, I realized that doing something that I've just sort of made a habit to make mm-hmm. my conversations go a, a little bit easier was now actually becoming sort of instruction material for other people to do it in the same way, except to be able to do it intentionally. I was doing a lot of this stuff instinctually and, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, trial and error when you're, when you're meeting with people, but now I was creating something that would be a lot less trial and error and actually be, you know, a step-by-step process on how to build a relationship. So were you going out there to test your hypothesis? <laughs> it's like, okay, let me try yeah, this and do, see how it works. <laughs> oh, absolutely. What I was really doing, so it was a lot of the things that, that, that are mentioned in the book with stuff that I was mm-hmm. doing, you know, kind of naturally uh, already, but Mm-hmm. Now I was very conscious of the fact that, okay, now right. I'm really laying out sort of an outline to do it. And, yeah, I went out there and had to test it for sure to see if this is, you know, a real life thing. And, and it is. Very, very interesting. What was the most exciting memory you have about your networking journey? Wow. Um, I've had the opportunity to meet so many different people, but I'll, I'll, I'll share this experience. I was, mm-hmm. I was living in New York. This is around 2002. Uh, and I was still an actor, and a friend of mine was doing the dramaturgy for a play called Dance of Death. And dramaturgy, if you don't, uh, if, if that's not familiar to you, is, is kind of the history and all the study of the time period in which the play takes place. And uh, she says, hey, I'm doing the dramaturgy for a friend. Um, do you want to come over to the hotel, meet us, and then we'll you know, go out to dinner or whatever? I said, sure, you know. Um, so I showed up at the hotel and she opens the door and she's like, Hey, Nathan, good to see you. Give her a hug. And then she, she says, come on in. And, and she kind of gestures with her arm and she says, uh, Nathan, this is Ian. Uh, Ian, this is Nathan. Well, it turned out to be Ian McKellen, uh, mm. the great actor. If you might know him as Gandalf in, in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And, um, that experience led to getting to know Ian a little bit. We, we all hung out quite a bit. And one of the pivotal, this is another pivotal moment for me. Um, we happened to be backstage uh, in Dance of Death. He was doing that with Helen Mirren on Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. The play was ending and we were all meeting back in the dressing room. We were going to go out afterward. And as we were walking out the stage door, um, I was behind everyone. And that door opened and there were just a league, a huge amount of Lord of the Rings fans standing outside hoping for autographs. And um, I say it was a pivotal moment for me because it actually was a defining moment where I realized 
I probably didn't want to be an actor uh, very much mm-hmm. going forward from that, which changed my path eventually leading to, to where I am now. So that was probably, I think that was one of the most, one of the more exciting uh, <laughs> memories that I had. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. That's, that's really a wonderful, wonderful story. When did the inspiration for the 20-minute networking meeting book come about? And I know that you have several uh, series, I guess, you know, uh, variations of it. And I would like you to address those real quickly as well. But when did the inspiration, I know you mentioned about, well, let me start doing research and so forth. So tell us about that, the process. Right. Well, first I'll say that there, there, there are four different uh, editions. And the first one started with executives, mostly because Marsha Marcia and I worked in the, um, executive retain, the retained executive search uh, industry. Um, and then after that, because I had realized as we were writing it, oh, my gosh, this is a skill that all of us really, really need, every single mm-hmm. one of us. And so um, I decided to build three more after that. And there's now one for graduates. Uh, or anybody who goes back to their master's, anybody who's a veteran, uh, which was released a year and a half ago, and then any, uh, one for anybody who is not any of those, and that's called the professional edition. Um, mm-hmm. And the inspiration, actually, this is where I have to give due credit to my, um, my co-author. What happened was is when I was recruited into that firm, which happened by way of networking, um, she knew that I had this writing background, and she had the idea, a bucket list, uh, of ideas of books that she might like to write and networking was one of the ones that she pitched. And as I had been doing that every single day of my professional life in the arts, I just jumped mm-hmm. all over it. Uh, and from Marsha's perspective, it was just that uh, in the position that she was in, people were asking her to network all of the time, but they were going mm-hmm. about it in a really bad way. It wasn't structured. It was kind of all over the map. And she liked this idea that networking could be a lot shorter and a lot more structured so we sat down and we started to um, structure things out and, and develop the material together. Very, very interesting. Well, that's during that time where this is it. Everybody's going to ask you, are you going to a networking meeting? Uh, that was like the end thing. I mean, that's sort of like a hangout in some ways. So what you guys did was you really structured it to a point where let's be productive rather than just hanging out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what is networking, Right. Um, it can be, it, it's looked at and it, and it is um, considered to be so many different things and you're supposed to achieve this and execute that and do it like this and so forth. But really, um, and I guess I might as well just say it right here, what networking really, really is, mm-hmm. is just um, the obtainment of information or the exchange of information. And mm-hmm. so long as we are doing that, we're, we're actually networking. So we, mm-hmm. we also kind of, in this, in this material, we sort of redefined what networking is. Um, not that it ever really had a definition to begin with. I think that's what's mm-hmm. so confusing and sort of, you know, part of the question that you had just asked me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading this excellent book? And by the way, I do have the professional edition, so, um, which is yeah, a different, I presume, from the, from the rest. Yeah. Yeah, they're different in the sense that they're just written in different contexts uh, mm-hmm. for each readership. You know, if you knew that something was written specifically for you as an attorney, as a broadcaster, as an executive, as someone who's just coming out of school, as a veteran, um, then you'd probably pick it up and read it because it's meant for you. That's, that's just the whole idea behind it. But the message, um, what I really like people to gain out of reading this book is that understanding networking is just a skill like any other skill. And I just kind of define networking, you know, what it is. It's just the obtainment of information or the exchange of information. There might be different purposes for the networking meeting. There might be different outcomes, but everything from the beginning to the end of the meeting is still just about the information. It's just about what we do with that information. Um, And also to, for people who are like me, um, Mm -hmm. an introvert, uh, then I would say, that you understand that this networking thing is just, you know, again, a skill, something that you can Mm -hmm. learn. Now, Mm -hmm. what defines an extrovert is someone who recharges and they get, they get their energy when they've been around (laughs) groups of people, right? That's really exciting and it's really fun for them. Um, Not so much for an introvert. Uh, An introvert (laughs) by contrast is uh, defined as someone who recharges and gets their energy when they've had a sufficient amount of time to Mm -hmm. self-reflect. And that would certainly be me. 
But speaking as an mm-hmm. introvert, I can tell you, is because especially when I started my arts career, it was something that was mm-hmm. drilled into us. You know, you got to go out there and network. You got to go out there and network. But what is that? And it's so difficult. <laughs> and if you're an introvert, no one wants to go and do it, but right. you, you've got to. But as it turns out, it's just a skill. There are certain steps you can take. It's just a conversation. And really, it's just about the obtainment of information. So I would say it's just, it's just a skill um, and that anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Nathan Perez. He is an executive career and job search coach at Career Innovation and the co-author of the multi-award-winning book, the 20-minute networking meeting, learn to network, get a job. Coming from a and coming from a unusually unique and diverse professional background, Nathan brings his clients a rare viewpoint on networking, job search, and career development. We're having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and how you can use five easy steps to leverage your networking skills and present your best self in any setting from his award-winning book, The 20-Minute Networking Meeting. I know we talk a lot about networking. Nathan, is for everyone. Yes, it is for everyone, and all of us really should be doing it too. But the thing is, right, is that if I've defined networking as just the obtainment or the exchange of information, the great news is that everyone is already doing it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, let's just say, for instance, uh, Johnny, you and I, we run into each other at the park and mm-hmm. the kids are playing soccer. And mm-hmm. we talk a little bit about the weather or how work is going, um, maybe a little bit about the, the soccer team. Well, that exchange of information and what we learn from each other can be applied again and again with the same person, say, <clears throat> excuse me, the following week or maybe even mm-hmm. different people, but utilizing the same information. And we do this, again, all the time. We buy a new product and someone tells us about it and we learn about it, but then we have a discussion with somebody else who's looking at that product or is looking for something similar to it. And you say, I just learned about this. In fact, I just picked one up and it's really great for X, Y, and Z reasons. Mm -hmm. Well, simply by word of mouth or, or just sharing that information, we are always networking. So, yes, right. it is for everyone, and um, it should be really encouraging. You're already doing it if you just look at the word networking a little differently. Right, right. So true. And what I like about what you just said, because that would be, to me, a starting point of how you start working within yourself to just connect with people. Because right. whether you're introvert or not, you are talking to some people, your neighbor, <laughs> Family, right. and you just don't realize it because for some reason, oddly reason, when you talk about networking, it's like, oh my god, that's a formal thing, and so right. you choked up. And I tell people I'm an introvert, and people say, "Come on, give me a break, you're a speaker and all this stuff." And I say, "Yeah, I'm, right. but I'm situationally <laughs> introvert. How's that?" <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's a really great point, you know. To that end, I think what we've sort of done is we've, we've pinned behaviors to this word. And mm-hmm. so the behaviors are like, you know, being salesy or dropping names, being kind of slick and smooth. I think mm-hmm. that's still these days, it's what many people think networking is. Um, right. But th- that's why we're trying to redefine it here is that it's, it's really not that. It's a word that's been given a reputation and we've carried the reputation with us. But we can redefine that word, therefore, the reputation and feel very, very differently uh, about networking altogether. Mm -hmm. So true. Who are the best networking contacts? Um, First, I have to say anyone, anyone can be a best networking uh, networking contact. There's Mm -hmm. sort of this um, philosophy out there that there Mm -hmm. are the best kind. Right. There, there may be the people who know the people or the people who know all the stuff, if not both of those things. And we kind of treat them accordingly. We put them up on a pedestal and we think, okay, these, these are going to be the difference makers for us. Um, and there's, such, there, there's truth to that. There is such thing as those kinds of people. But the truth also is, is that anybody could have a piece of information that you do not already have. 
and therefore could do the same thing, introduce you to other people that you don't know or get you to some additional information that could change the course of whatever your purpose is for networking, job search, uh, career development, even sales or, or business development. So what I would say is that maybe don't look at it so much as who the best networking contacts are, but instead do something with the information that you are given. All mm -hmm. information is good information. Now, sometimes we don't like the answers that we get. Um, however, if we remove our perception as to whether it's good or bad, then it just remains information. And if you do something with it, it'll take you to the next step and the next step in the path that you're laying out for yourself. So true. That's very, very true. I would add on to say that let curiosity lead the way. That way you're going in with an open mind. Um, because if you go in with the attitude, well, what's in for me, then that's not networking. That's right. That's right. It is never just all about us. It's, this is networking um, is, is about both sides, right? It's a give and take kind of philosophy. If you are someone who goes in, you, you request time and the expertise and knowledge of somebody and they give it to you, but you give nothing back, then that's just a take, take, take. And ultimately, that's not going to go well for you. It's certainly not going mm -hmm. to expand your network. And, and expanding your network is critical to gaining more information to take you to where you want to go. That so makes true. sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Why and how should we prioritize our networking contacts? Do you have a specific things that you look for? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, first, like, just keeping in mind, right, all information mm -hmm. is good information. It can come from anywhere. But if you really want to be intentional about prioritizing your contacts according to very specific needs or wants that you have, then what I would say is you, want to, you really want to kind of meet with people who are going to be very relevant to the things that you want to mm -hmm. learn. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, while anybody can have a piece of information we don't have, they're, they're the people, like, say, in your field, specifically your field, or the field that you want to go into, then you can prioritize accordingly. Um, but what I would say in terms of, you know, if you're an introvert or someone who's shy, or maybe even not, if you were to just to kind of do a, a pecking order, you know, mm -hmm. exactly who to network with, um, when, then you'd start with the people who are closest to you. So friends right? Look at it like concentric mm -hmm. circles and you're right in the middle of it. And that first circle around you is maybe family or friends and, and you can go either direction. And then you go family and friend, family or friends. That's the next circle out. And then your peers and then your colleagues. And then further out from that, you can go to former peers and former colleagues and even maybe distant relatives if you want to. And then from out from there, complete strangers. And if you look at it that way, you can see how you can actually connect to complete strangers through those circles that you already have, all those that I already mentioned. So mm -hmm. prioritizing your contacts, um, probably staying with the most relevant uh, people that are in your industry or your kind of business, but keeping your mind wide open to networking with anyone because, you know, everyone knows someone else. And, it, and just because you know, I'm, I'm an actor, for instance, doesn't mean that mm -hmm. I, I don't know senior executives. If you and I met as complete strangers on the street and I started with being a professional actor, um, you may never guess that I might know people who are, you know, the senior leaders of businesses and, and vice mm -hmm. versa. So just keep in mind, everybody knows someone else and you just don't know who those people are. Right. So true. One of the, I would not say challenge, but situation that presents itself is the fact that when does a networking meeting becomes an informal interview? Right. Okay. So there might be a couple of different ways to actually look at this. So I'm going to, I'm going to give two answers. Mm -hmm. um, first, rarely. Okay. Networking is networking and an interview is an interview. However, right. let's just say that in the interview, it becomes an informal, uh, I'm sorry, in the networking meeting, it becomes an informal interview. Um, it's, when your, it's when your contact begins asking you more questions than you are asking them. The mm -hmm. tables kind of turn a little bit, and you can feel that <laughs> because you're there to gather information, but now they're starting to dig a little further into your background. Right. Um, having said that, many networking meetings through your contact can actually lead you to other individuals that can lead you to that informal interview. 
So if you and I were having discussions and I'm asking you about podcasting and, and uh, radio broadcast, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. also if you happen to know anybody like me who might be in the career space, because I'm looking into getting into broadcasting mm-hmm. or, uh, or podcasting, um, and you introduce me to them, and there they happen to have a, a possibility, an opportunity for someone like me. That's how it can lead to that. So there are two mm-hmm. different ways. Of, if you're sitting in the meeting and the tables kind of switch and someone's starting to ask you more questions about you, not for clarification purposes, but genuine trying to understand, comparing apples to apples, who you are, what we need, and also just meeting through other people. Uh, that can, mm-hmm. that usually it's around the third ring, too, that people um, <laughs> are the third meeting out that people end up with um, interview opportunities. Sure. Very, very interesting. That's true. What are the five steps to mastering a networking meeting in 20 minutes? Yes. Okay. So each one of these steps um, Mm -hmm. would have time limits to them. This is how we constructed this. And the first step is a great first impression of you. And that's pretty simple. That's, uh, if it's an in-person kind of meeting, then, then you would shake hands. You'd have a warm smile. There would be eye contact, right? Firm handshake, mm-hmm. warm smile, and eye contact. And uh, maybe a little bit of chit-chat. That's really it. If it's on video, you can't shake hands, but everything else is the same. A little bit of chit-chat that mm-hmm. kind of warms in the discussion. And then the second step is a 30 to 60-second overview of your background, uh, mm-hmm. And that's, that can be of your professional background, if it's job search or career development, or let's say if this is for sales uh, or business development, then it can be partially or maybe all about the product or, or your business, if not a mix of those two, two different things. And this snapshot is especially important because what you're actually doing is you're, you're also giving them context for the next step, which is the great discussion. And setting Mm -hmm. up that context is really important because that's where you're going to be asking questions and they'll be pulling from that context. Um, And then from there, so then it takes us into the great discussion. That's the third step. And and this is comprised of about five key questions. The the first three are formulated specifically for your contact, things Mm -hmm. that you wish to learn from that particular person. The idea Mm -hmm. here is that, you know, you you can kind of piecemeal um, things together when you read blogs and, and you listen to some podcasts and then you read articles and books and so forth and so on. But that's exactly what's happening is that you're piecemealing together information and meaning. But when you're sitting across from somebody and you can ask them specific questions, they can give you specific answers in return that you might mm-hmm. not be able to find in any of those other mediums that, that I mentioned. So the first three are formulated for your contact. The fourth question is about getting more names more people that you can meet with. And people tend to be really reluctant around this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. ask this. It's too uncomfortable. People don't want to give names and so <laughs> forth. But you got to try to remember, people said yes to your meeting in the first place because they wanted to help you. Plus, this is a networking meeting. This is a question that's expected to be asked. And, and mm-hmm. also, people ask this question all the time in every business and every industry that's out there. So this is okay. And the fifth question, and this is a really big one, perhaps mm-hmm. the most important of them all, that question is asking, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. How can I help you for sitting across from me and giving me this, this expertise and this knowledge and your time, just simply the gift of time? Mm-hmm. And um, this is, I, I got to say, Johnny, this is a, I get emails <laughs> all the time about the power of this question. It's a yeah. real game changer. And it's very important for this kind of meeting. And frankly, it can be a life changer for you if you just ask it of people out there in life, just in your regular personal life. If there's anything I can ever help you with, by the mm-hmm. way, you know, I, I come from an arts background. If your kids are interested in the arts, um, if, you're, if you fish, I know some great fishing holes, whatever it may be. But just offering to help is a real game changer. So that's, um, that's steps one through three. And then step four is wrapping up the meeting. Mm-hmm. All you do is close it up. You, you talk about what you've agreed between you uh, that you're going to follow up on and you shake hands or you wave if you're on video and then you're out of there. And then the fifth step is just following up afterward. And there are two mm-hmm. kinds of follow-up. You've got immediate and then you have ongoing follow-up. And immediate is just uh, within 24 hours. You, mm-hmm. Remember, these people wanted to sit down with you. They wanted to help. And you don't want to go beyond like 48 hours. You don't want to, you don't want to risk someone feeling like they were an afterthought. 
Um, mm-hmm. So you follow up very quickly after that meeting, and then you them later in time, about once a quarter is what we say, um, mm-hmm. at the very most. Um, mm-hmm. Being in touch too frequently um, tends to kind of be off-putting to people, especially if it's not <laughs> relevant to the relationship that you have or maybe the things right. that you've been talking about. So once a quarter at, at the very most. And, and that's it. Those are the five steps. Very interesting. Wonderful. So now let's come to a su- full circle. How should an introvert participate in a networking meeting? <laughs> right. Um, by <laughs> being yourself, by mm-hmm. talking with people as though you were talking to your friend. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is there's, well, let's look at it this way. What is the real difference between a friend and a complete stranger, except that you know them longer, maybe, and we could maybe mm-hmm. say better. But the topics you talk about, uh, the things that you cover, the things that you care about, just people being people, we, mm-hmm. it turns out there is no difference between being friends and strangers. We're just humans being. Right. Right. So if you can just approach it and think about it, I'm just talking with someone else. I'm using the same information in the way that I do. uh, And so are they. Now, for those of us that are introverts, um, we tend to self-reflect to the point that sometimes we're really worried about what other people are thinking or feeling about us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But try and take into consideration, too, right, about how they be feeling. So if a meeting or like a conversation, you're at a networking event, doesn't go very well, it might not be on you. It might mm-hmm. be that the other person feels the way that you are feeling. So as, as far as a networking meeting at an event, you've got to be brave and just get out there and just talk mm-hmm. to people. If you've ever been in a position where you're at a social event and you feel like you're being a wallflower, if you just mm-hmm. take a moment and you look around the room, you will find that many other people are also feeling like wallflowers. They're just floating mm-hmm. off by themselves. And if you've ever had the experience where someone comes up to you, holds out a hand, and introduces, them, introduces themselves to you, you have this feeling of kind of relief. Oh, someone came and talked to me. <laughs> and, and you start to calm down a little bit, right? And then you start to participate yeah. more in the conversation. Well, you can be that same person and go over to a different wallflower and introduce yourself, and you're going to see that same sense of relief. Now, Mm -hmm. when it comes to a networking like meeting or something a little bit more formal, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, but if you are approaching networking in the way that we're talking about it, where it's structured, you will already be in the driver's seat because it's your meeting. You called it, you get to run it, and you're running it exactly the way that I just explained a second ago. And that makes, and this is where the the book becomes very successful for introverts, is that it shows you five steps, time limits. And you just got to kind of stick with it so you can, you can feel comfortable. So true. And I love the cheat sheet as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, the book has uh, cheat sheets and some worksheets, readiness worksheets in it. Yes, thanks. Wonderful. You are listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hophopper. My guest is Nathan Perez. He is an executive He is an executive career and job search coach at Career Innovation and the co-author of the multi-award winning book, The 20-Minute Networking Meeting. Listen to net, learn to network and get a job. Coming from an unusually unique and diverse professional background, Nathan brings his clients a rare viewpoint on networking, job search, and career development. We're having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and how you can use five easy steps to leverage your networking skills and present your best self in any setting from his award-winning book, The 20-Minute Networking Meeting. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Nathan, let's dive into those specific five steps. How do we create a good first impression? Right. So a great first impression is, is pretty simple. And, and, I, and I touched on this a little bit a second mm-hmm. ago. Um, mm-hmm. you, if it's an in-person meeting, um, eye contact. Remember, this is a human activity, right? We're people. Right. And so a firm handshake is important because if you've ever had a handshake that's um, loose, uh, maybe cold, clammy hands, 
Um, something that it, it just doesn't feel very committed. It doesn't feel very personal. So it's a firm handshake, eye contact, right? We're people. We, the, the, window, the eyes are the window to the soul. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly how we feel when we're meeting, especially with, with strangers. And a bright smile. Make sure that you are happy to, to be there. Um, and then just a little bit of chit-chat. It could be about anything. It's great to avoid more cliché topics. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be, for instance, sometimes we ask, um, lots of times we ask, how are you? Uh, and and it's, it, it can be like a generic question. It's just an autopilot thing to ask, and it's an autopilot thing to answer. But mm-hmm. even if you were to ask something that would be a question that's very common like that, if you can be more specific, you know, so, Johnny, how was your morning this morning? Or, hey, Johnny, when I talked to you yesterday, you were about to run out to go do an errand. You were in a real mm-hmm. rush. Did you make it? I'm asking you something very specific, which allows you to be very specific in your response. And that mm-hmm. specificity is what allows people to really connect. So it's just a couple of minutes of chit-chat. It could be about the artwork that's in the hallways. It could be about mm-hmm. the view that you have from your apartment window where you have a 300-year-old tree outside. And, and wow, tell me more <laughs> about that tree. It could be just about anything. And in and, and the case of, of the 20-minute networking meeting, this is something that lasts about two minutes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's important because the first impression that people have from then on is a validation of the first impression. And so it's been my experience, I guess, sometimes right. also, never, you know, for that moment, no one exists in that room. I think that's critical because sometimes <laughs> people point. have a tendency, you know, to have wandering eyes. And then you're talking to me and then you're kind of like glancing everywhere else. You're not in the zone. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, that's my thought about when you talk about first impression, because you're the most important thing to me at that moment, that two minute moment. I think that's the uh, that's uh, the, the big thing. Key. Yeah, I think you're, it's a great point. And, and it's exactly how both people should be feeling. Mm-hmm. And it comes mm-hmm. down to being aware, you know, and being mm-hmm. present. And, th- and these days. I think that is extremely important. And, right. and for that matter, since, you know, we've had this really crazy year this last year with the pandemic stuff going on. And right. one of the things that we have all experienced, and by all, I mean the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, where there's, there's governmental upset and there's economic stuff, and then there's the personal, our personal lives have been really impacted. Um, it touches all aspects of our lives. So the whole planet at the moment. And, and, then, and then we've had this thing that's being called fake news, whatever that turns out to be. But the mm-hmm. point is, is that we have kind of really gained a, a sort of a sense of distrust in what's going mm-hmm. on out there. And mm-hmm. the reason that um, I mention this at all is because going forward, the way that we listen to one another and being engaged and being right there in the moment is changing I've watched it really happen in this last year, and it's going to become paramount to relationship building. And relationship building is a cornerstone to overall networking. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. Yeah, stay engaged. Be there in that moment. If you are Mm -hmm. engaged and you are there in that moment, you will have a productive conversation because both sides see that you're here, right here and right now. You know, Mm -hmm. by contrast, when we're in a coffee shop, it's kind of like you were saying, we may be sitting across the table, just two feet across from one another, yet there's all the world going, around, going on around us. And we tend to look here and we tend to look here. And, and, and we kind of get a sense of just how engaged that person really is in that meeting. Um, mm-hmm. And that's got to change. It's already changing. Mm-hmm. You, you want to be present. You want to be engaged, even from mm-hmm. right from the outset. That's true. So what makes a great overview? Right. So you're okay. So your overview is, is a snapshot of your background, or if it's for sales or business development, that that might involve some products or, or even the business itself. Um, and what you're doing is you're you're offering a very clear, concise understanding of your experience. And mm-hmm. and and I mentioned so this is very it's, it's structured, by the mm-hmm. way, uh, and it contains specific information. If you were to read the book, what you would find is that. Uh, what you're being asked to pull together, there are about four or five different elements. The idea here is mm-hmm. to give forward the information that is typically asked of people when you sit in this kind of meeting, um, where you've worked, how long you've worked, worked there, um, 
highlights of your background and maybe past titles that you've had. And, and that, if you think about that, that again provides context. Someone has a snapshot of your background that leads you into the great discussion. So when you go to ask questions, anything that they might need to clarify may have already been given to them up front. So piecing those things together, those, those elements that I just said, that, that's what makes up a, a really great overview, a quick, simple overview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't bring out your uh, laptop and trying to do a PowerPoint presentation, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Sometimes it's, you know, people believe that uh, the longer the meeting, the better, or the more information right. I give someone, the better. Because, well, people tend to believe that the other person is going to remember it all. And and that's just not the case. In fact, it can be overwhelming. And if you have too much information, then it's hard to track. And people will, it's not that they tune out, but it gets jumbled up. And then what you're hoping sticks does not stick. That's right. So true. That brings me to how do we know we are having a great discussion? Oh, yes. This is, uh, this is a great question. Um, So, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be real simple about it. You can feel it, okay? Mm-hmm. You can feel it. Now, there's such thing, we can walk away hoping that there's, there's something that quantifies the meeting. Mm-hmm. We talked this long or we exchanged this information, and those things are good. Um, so you can feel good. Yeah, I'm getting this great information. This is exactly what I was looking for. That can tell you. But at the same time, just through the discussion itself and the dynamic that you have with that person as you're discussing things, you can actually feel it. And and by that, what I really mean is that you can feel the connection with that person. This Mm -hmm. is important because while you might get all this information, the connection that you feel with one another is sort of what keeps the networking doors open over the course of time. Mm -hmm. If you've ever had a meeting, you thought it went really well. Maybe you discussed this, that, and the other, but you just got this sense that I can reach out to this person again. And they, and they get the same sense. I can reach out to, to you, you know, to us um, Mm -hmm. and, and ask for help or, or information. So Mm -hmm. part of it is maybe what you're getting out of the meeting, actually getting out of the meeting, but the big part of it is that the sense that you get, the the sense of connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Very, very true. So one of the things that your book emphasizes is this wonderful, great ending. So why is a great ending important? A great ending is important uh, for a few different reasons. Um, Logistically speaking, it, it wraps up the meeting but mm-hmm. it wraps up the meeting in review. Um, and it kind of locks down the actions that were agreed between the two of you. I promised to introduce you to so-and-so, and uh, thank you for getting me the information of X, Y, and Z. So it, kinda, it also kind of gives an indicator that your meeting is now coming to a close. But, mm-hmm. but what's most important is that it leaves a solid final impression of you. Um, and, and by that, how you actually ran the meeting and then how you closed down this meeting. And the mm-hmm. reason the final impression is so critical, well, I'll say this. A first mm-hmm. impression is critical um, right. because it sets up what your meeting is going to look and feel like. But a final right. impression is just as critical because it's how you leave people thinking and feeling about you. And mm-hmm. you want that, that final impression to be that you are gracious and you're grateful for the time or the experience, uh, the information that you've been given. And right. there's also a little bit of, sort of personal strategy to this as well, or I should say maybe an outcome. When, mm-hmm. when you ask these kinds of questions and, and, you, and you kind of wind down this meeting in this way, especially ending with the question, how can I help you? It allows people to, re, to remember you fondly. Right. And when people remember you fondly, they also tend to remember you first professionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So much so. And not only that, I think what happened is if coming from an introvert standpoint of view, I find that when you are offering something and genuinely now offering something, right, because we all have our areas of expertise, when you do that, for that moment in time, you are coming in from a position of strength that changes yeah. something within you. Yes, yes, that's a great point. That's a great point. So can you give us some examples of great follow-ups? I know you said that's very critical. We got to do it very quickly. So can you give us some examples? 
Sure. Um, so first of all, I'll say again, right, there are two kinds of follow-up. You've got mm-hmm. immediate follow-up and then ongoing follow-up. Immediate follow-up within 24 hours. I mentioned you can get, you get away with about 48 hours before you risk someone feeling like they're an afterthought. And you follow up mm-hmm. with them, and that's the second person that you would follow up would be the person who introduced you or referred you mm-hmm. in the first place. This is really important. We never would have gotten to person number two without person number one. And if person number two mm-hmm. is helpful to you in any way, it's because of person number one. Also, we feel like um, we like to know that we have people and things in common. So when we circle back with that first person, it, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. a great lockdown on, you know, I met the person that you introduced me to. Thanks so much. We had a discussion about X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. now the world has shrunk. Now you all understand that you know each other. And again, we like to know that we feel comfortable. It feels good to know that we have people and things in common. And then ongoing follow-up, or what I like to call networking maintenance. This keeps your network uh, alive over the course of time. And, and I said this earlier, you want to be in touch about every quarter. And there are some exceptions. Um, and this is when maybe your contact information has changed or your role mm-hmm. has changed. Maybe you landed a new job um, or you've completed a degree or a certification, or if your networking actually introduces you to someone who's connected to one of your contacts. And that's a great thing to be mm-hmm. in touch with over the course of time, because again, we like to know that we have people and things in common. And um, a, a follow-up is really, really simple. Let's just say that after um, you and I have this discussion mm-hmm. about whatever mm-hmm. we talk about, and, and then we leave, we part ways, sometime that day, Maybe the next morning, I'm really pushing it, right, because I want to be in touch soon. Uh, I send a note that says, Johnny, thank you so much for the discussion. Excuse me. Um, I learned so much about A, B, and C when you were talking Mm -hmm. about podcasting and CDF when you were talking about living in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, If I can ever be of any help going forward, please let me know. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And you close up that message. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're talking about ongoing, um, um, mm-hmm. ongoing follow-up, then what I would do is, let's just say we reach a quarter, right? A few months have mm-hmm. passed by and I want to reach out to you again. I might send you something like this, an article that's mm-hmm. relevant to the work that you're doing right now, an article that is relevant to part of the conversation that we had, or maybe I learn additional information about something you and I have talked about. And I say, Hey, I just had a discussion with so-and-so and we were talking about what you and I were talking about three months ago. I thought you would mm-hmm. be interested, and, and, just, and, and you leave it at that. So now you, you're still relevant, and you're still in mm-hmm. touch, but over the course of time. And it's real simple stuff. No long emails, no huge um, pieces of mm-hmm. um, information mm-hmm. that are hard to digest and take time to do. It's just simple and right. straightforward. You're just staying in touch. Right. So true. That's really wonderful. How many people should we have in our network? Um, good question. As many or as few as you like, but Mm -hmm. you got to keep in mind too, that networking is a little bit, it's something of a numbers game. And what I really mean about that is the more people that you know, the more information that you can get, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows something that we don't and taking advantage of those numbers will get us where we're going much easier and much faster. So if you're really, really going after something, then you should have more networking contacts. You should be making more networking contacts because the more mm-hmm. people, the more information there is. Um, mm-hmm. If some people decide, you know, I, I, um, I'm in this world, only this world, this is all I want to network with, that's wonderful, especially if it works for you. Maybe you don't have to expand your networking as much. But if you chose to expand your network even more, you're going to get more of what you're looking for, and you're going to get farther with where you want to go. Mm-hmm. That's true. Very, very true. Let's talk about this. What is the biggest mistake a job seeker can make with networking? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there are, there are 2.5 of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> not a full three. Um, so mm-hmm. the, one of them is that there's no agenda. People kind of jump into a meeting and, and they're off the cuff and, they, and they're all over mm-hmm. the map. There's no organization mm-hmm. or structure to it. And this is a, um, it's, it, while it's not a relationship killer, it's going to be a meeting killer because mm-hmm. um, the time isn't used well and it's not specific as to what you want. So there's no agenda. The second thing is just taking too much time. Time tends to be the deciding factor when it comes to accepting networking requests to begin mm-hmm. with. And, mm-hmm. and, and maybe this has happened to you, Johnny. I know it's happened to me and maybe happened to mm-hmm. people who are listening. 
someone says, I just need 20 minutes of your time. And mm-hmm. suddenly it's an hour later and you think, oh right. my gosh, I didn't realize it was going to take three times the amount of time that they asked for. I didn't right. have an hour. And this happens a couple of times and people don't want to, to don't want to network anymore. So you got to honor right. people's time. And this is why we constructed the book to, you can stick to 20 mm-hmm. minutes. It's not a hard mm-hmm. and fast rule. It can be longer. It can be shorter. But the point is, is that you're being considerate and you're honoring other people's time. And then right. the, the, the point five uh, is really <laughs> not even a mistake. Is why I'm calling it a point five. Um, mm-hmm. it, that is just taking and taking, uh, as I said earlier, without mm-hmm. giving in return. You always right. want to be able to give back in return. They wanted to help you. We have to be willing to help, in, again, in return. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's something that tends to surprise people. Like when you ask this question, just be prepared because they won't be. Business mm-hmm. tends to be transactional and, you know, kind of maybe you've got something I want um, and I've got something you want. Maybe that involves mm-hmm. money and then we kind of move on. Um, mm-hmm. But this brings the human element to things and it changes the relationship from being more businessy to something that's personal. Now, again, it's not a mistake uh, not to include that, um, mm-hmm. but it's something that should be there. So it's not a mistake. It's just something that is going to make a, a huge difference and bring positive change right. for both sides. Right. Well, the mistake is going to happen if you offer to help. And then that request comes in a few weeks later or whatnot, and you ignore it. That means your, oh, your wood's yeah. no good. Yes, absolutely. Um, it kills your credibility. And you got to remember, because right. we tend to think, well, you know, it's just, one person. But remember, one person mm-hmm. knows many people. And if they're in Precisely. the field or the industry, if they happen to know someone else that you're about to network with, and they've already had a discussion about you, you may never find out. And, but, That's right. but you also may not get anything out of that meeting. Right. So true. Where can someone go to buy your books, get more information about you and keep up with your latest happenings? Right. So you can find the books on Amazon. You can also get it on the Kindle app. You can download that app for any device and read the books that way. iTunes, Barnes & Noble, you can order it from your bookstore. If you're interested in an audio book, um, I actually do the audio reading. You can find that and me uh, on my website, NathanAPerez.com. Or if it's easier to remember, 20MM, as in the 20-minute networking meeting, 20MM.com, you can find information on the books and the audio book there. And if you want to keep up with the latest happenings, uh, find me on LinkedIn. I post quite a bit, a few things, uh, quite a few things there, and um, I'm happy to connect with you. Just mention Johnny's show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what's, what's next for you? Uh, next for me, I actually have a, a couple of different writing projects going on. Uh, I'm working on a mm-hmm. companion book to the 20 minute networking meeting that delves into networking and relationship mm-hmm. building. Uh, this sort of simplifies the networking thing into a regular guy. I consider myself a regular guy, mm-hmm. a regular mm-hmm. kind of guy uh, approach. And, uh, and I'm also beginning to sketch out uh, stuff that hark back to my fiction roots, uh, something mm-hmm. that's going to be for my boys. Wonderful. That sounds very, very interesting. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Oh, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, I would say follow your gut, which might be the same thing as saying follow your heart. This is a main mm-hmm. component that I work with um, uh, work on with my clients. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had personally, I've had the opportunity to live a handful of lives in this in this lifetime, both personally and professionally. And it's profound how much I've learned by doing just this, not just about the world, uh, but about myself, which of course informs the way that I interact with the world. And it has not led me astray. I'm in this position now where I get to mm-hmm. help hundreds and, and sometimes thousands of people per year. And it's because I followed my heart. So what I would say is use your brain, but follow your heart. Wonderful. That's beautiful. Well, Nathan, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my mama's kitchen talk radio to all our listeners. Please join me next Tuesday morning, April 20th. My guest will be Pamela Jane Nair. 
As a nurse herself, Pamela is the CEO owner of Neuroscience Nursing and the founder, CEO, and executive director of Operation Scrubs, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Pamela and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and Operation Scrubs 2021, thanking a nurse celebration and how you can participate and honor nurses, the unsung hero of healthcare during the National Nurses Week, which is from May 6th to the 12th. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Nathan, it has been a true pleasure, sir. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. To you, Johnny. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> 